proposing. We're proposing that uh, we'll do this together and we're going to remind you and ask you and lay out a plan and then ask you next week, did you do what you said you were going to do last week? You know, that is not easy. It is, it's easy to buy in. It's really, really difficult to show up and do the heavy lifting. And that first year can be heavy. And it's not about the free labor when we start. It is about them. It's, it's about it's about filling in the gaps a little bit where their education and their spiritual formation probably does not make them hireable. We all know great people who love Jesus, get up early, pray, who have an MDiv. They're super smart. They love, I would never hire that. That person can't lead anything. Uh, so we fill in those gaps with the coaching and the, and the process through the, through the two years. And the first year can be tough. Yeah, I think I often talk to people about. Well, hey, welcome to another episode of Pastors Roundtable. I'm super excited for you to join today's conversation. Part two of our conversation with Dave Miller talking about helping people get into ministry and uh, some steps that we can take. He's the co-founder of Leadership Pathway a ministry helping people figure out those next steps, those first steps, getting ministry. But before I dive into the conversation, I want to talk to you about Church Fuel and their new resource called Huddle Talks. We all lead those Huddle Talks with our volunteers before services, after services, uh, maybe a monthly leadership gathering. And uh, I'm sure we've all been there where we're like, what do we talk about again? Well. Church Fuel is going to help you because they've got ready-to-go talks for you. Uh, sample teachings, outlines, printouts, all kinds of stuff ready for you. Illustrations, stories uh, to make you ready to go on those volunteer huddle meetings. So take a look, get a discount at renewedleadership.org fuel. That's renewedleadership.org fuel to get a discount. Check, take a look. Huddle Talks are going to help you with your volunteer training. Well, Dave, this is part two. Uh, for those that didn't listen to part, part one, Dave is the co-founder of Leadership Pathway. He's been a creative pastor, worship pastor, a uh, few different states, uh, and also is a huge fan of the Cincinnati Reds. Pretty, pretty, pretty dangerous there, but a uh, big fan. He's a big fan of cycling. And uh, probably his greatest joy is helping people find the first step in ministry. I know it's a big passion of mine as well. That's one thing that he and I have connected on for a couple of years. It's just helping people get into ministry and those first roles. So, Dave, thanks for jumping on for part two. Be asked. Thank you. Thanks for all you're doing. Yeah. So, Dave, let's talk about it. Um, condiments. They're a big uh -oh. deal. Okay. So uh, what in your mind is the greatest condiment of all time? Is salsa a condiment? Ooh, I think we, that, that might be. Okay. Depends on who you're asking. Condiment. Definitely salsa and not the jar, you know, the freshly made something that comes in a plastic, a little tub thing. And if you don't eat it within a week, it starts getting a little bad, tangy. So be, be careful of that. When the salsa flavor starts changing, it's time to throw it out. I would go with salsa. I can put salsa on eggs, chips and salsa. Oh my gosh. Salsa on about everything. If salsa is a condiment, I'd have to look that up, I guess. I, 
it, hey, this is your episode. You Thank can you. do what you want, Dave. I could eat, <laughs> I could eat something that is like uh, Mexican food every day and not get tired of it. Okay. Okay. I, I would agree with you. Salsa is pretty high on the list there as well. Now, now are we talking like uh, the, the, you know, pico de gallo kind of stuff here or like, you know, dip in salsa here? Yeah. Pico. I mean, I'm, yeah, it would be more chopped up, diced up on the pico side of it, but definitely okay. I'm dipping, I'm dipping my chips in it. I just mean like if it's coming out of a jar and it's a main name brand like Tostitos doesn't sponsor your podcast, do they? If it's something like that, that's okay. If, you know, for feeding 80 people and cost is a factor, but if it's just, you know, us around the table, then I either my wife's making it or we're, uh, you know, at Trader Joe's in the fresh area, you're getting that stuff. That's again, it's not going to last very long. And it is somewhat healthy. The chips you eat it on are the problem. It's the thing that keeps me cycling. We cycle so we can eat like that. But uh, yeah, it's awesome. I love it. So in part one of our conversation, which I want to encourage you guys to go back and listen to, we talked about helping people get into that first step of ministry, mm -hmm. some tips, maybe even for a youth pastor who's got a 15-year-old who's looking to get into ministry uh, or that barista who feels called to ministry but just quite hasn't quite gotten there yet. We gave some really good tips there, uh, but we want to shift gears in this conversation and talk to church leaders about what they can do in their church to create uh, opportunities for people like that who want to get into ministry. So let's start there. Um, let's just kind of big picture, big stroke there. What are some thoughts there? Um, where do we even kind of start in our thinking yeah. process um, when we are thinking through, should we do this? Could we do this? Where do yeah. we even kind of start that thinking process? Uh, so I've been on it for a decade and in, I would say intentional about it for five years. And I have changed my tone a little. I think, I think in the last, in the last couple of years, I, I'm trying to get the get, I'm trying to get the front door open wider. Maybe years ago, I would have said, well, only if, and I would set the bar so high. And I'm down, and here's why I'm changing my tone is I now have seen, um, you know, predicting predicting success, I think, is the hardest part of this. When you're when you're on the resident side, if you're dealing with 20 to 25-year-olds, and it's changing every year, by the way, predicting who's going to succeed is tough. Predicting who is good at the coaching and environment piece as well, I'm going to say is equally as tough. Because we've worked with awesome churches that I would go to if I lived in that town. Um, and, and it's not just being an awesome church that makes you great in this environment. And we've worked with churches I would never attend. Oh, my goodness. I'm wincing putting it on the website. I'm went thinking, who are we going to send? And you know what happens? Is it karma? Is it the spirit? Is it right time, right place, right moment, right challenge? And I've seen both on the church side and the resident side, who develops up, up and to the right is really hard to predict. And who doesn't develop um, 
is hard to predict. And so I think I'm getting the front door a little wider than I used to. And I've had good longtime friends of mine say, bro, you're working with who? Why would you send anyone? And what I've seen is I didn't, I could never have predicted it, but they lean into the coaching. They're in the book with Kristen, our go-to coach person. They're, t they're doing everything they're asked to do. They are dug in and it's not the hippest, coolest town and it's not the hippest, coolest church. Um, but predicting success is really tough. So I would say, I would say, I, if you're thinking about it at all, you should do it, period. Now, how bought in is your senior pastor? Kind of like everything at a church. Um, and, and how to get buy-in from the top on this stuff. And your context is everything. But I heard a guy, and I went to Chicago, Loyola, uh, University of Loyola up there, their medical uh, school, sitting in the, listening to a guy he, who gets up. He's not a believer. And he's in front of like 30 of us. He's like, I'm here to talk about residency. And you guys really, you guys really intimidate me. Uh, Dr. Gregory Ozark. And uh, he says, I'm, you know, he was over all of the medical residents at Loyola. He's first thing, one of the things he said, uh, you know, there are great hospitals and there are great teaching hospitals. Just don't get the two confused. And, uh, and I thought, you know, that's true. There are great teach, there are great churches and there are great teaching churches. Just don't get confused. I would just, I don't hammer that as hard as I did three or four years ago, though. And mainly because I've just seen success at places maybe that you would not suspect is going to be a great teaching church. So you got to get buy-in from the top, not because it's expensive financially, but the soft cost of, of this is great. It doesn't scale well, and it is not easy. And so your boss has to be bought in. And honestly, we would say measure, change your job description that it gets measured a little bit against how your interns and residents are doing. Because when you're at the coffee shop or you're hanging out with them and you're not in your office or you miss a meeting because you're with the resident or with the intern who melted down last night, they have to know that's a big part of your job. So I forget what the question is, was Ryan. It's great. So but, let's go back. So I've been a part of uh, interns, residence programs for about 15 years. Yeah. You've been in it for a while as well. Um, I, I think a great question is, is every church, and I think you've kind of alluded to it, but is every church ready to, to have an internship program? Um, uh, no, of course not. Uh, I would say if your church is advancing, are there more Christians there this year than last year? If your church, if your if your boss, whether that's a senior pastor or someone else down the line, if they are talking about it, if they want to do it. If your church, by the way, has struggled with open staff positions, which everyone just said yes to that question. I don't care what size church you are. Then this is a this is not the answer end all be all answer to that, but it is a strategic part of a multi-prong approach at future staffing. So I'm so I'm I'm not gonna say every church ought to do it. I'm gonna say though, Ryan, a whole uh, poop load of churches more ought to be doing it than aren't doing it.
And I, it appears like when I Google search residency, I mean, there are some spectacular examples, you know, a few dozen out there. And I mean, a few dozen places that have done it and done it well. And, uh, and then there's a few dozen more right behind them, maybe second tier. And, and uh, when I connect with these churches who have great looking landing pages and they've called it the Institute or the residency, and you ask them, how's it going? And they'll say, oh, we haven't had any yet, but we're, we're still praying about, you know. So I don't know that a lot of this is going on. There's a lot of it driven through seminary, which is great. And we need more and better seminaries and more of that. Um, but it's not a lot. It's not a lot. And when you hear different denominational leaders talk about the hundreds or the thousands of boomers that are retiring and the open positions. And, and then I hear the church planter people who, you know, they're going to plant 30 churches by 20. And you're just like, how's this all? going to happen. And then I get down in the weeds at a great church of 700. It's going to launch a campus next year. And they got three open positions now and they need to hire five. And they have, they have no idea where these people are coming from. So more churches need to be doing this than are doing it. And the churches that are doing it really, we need them to create more than they need is what I would say. You can't just go after it thinking, well, we're going to, we're going to launch a campus, so we need two and a half people into, you know, you need to create more, mainly because life happens and there is failure, by the way. So you need more than you think you need. And then the church down the street or that church you love that's in the denomination a state away or across the country or the buddy is going to be looking. And, uh, and the referred pipeline is pretty dry in church leadership. The open pipe of headhunting public job postings, it's getting drier. There's still some stuff in there. It's drier than it was five years ago, for sure. But the referred, like, I know a guy. It's dry. And uh, so that's why we need them producing more than they need. So where, where do you begin? Where do you begin? You begin by putting up a landing page. You do not begin by obsessing over engineering all the risk out of it. We'll still be talking about it in a year, and I know that because I'm still talking with churches a year or three later who are still engineering their internship residency program. I would encourage anyone, if you're thinking about it, put a landing page up, 40-second video, your best guy that can look into their phone or into the bougie camera that the tech director has, I don't care, in 40 seconds. Less than 40 seconds, tell me why I should come there and learn how to do ministry with your team. Give me my name and my email address. That's all we want. And uh, I'm an idiot, and I can put that landing page up on a Squarespace site in 90 minutes. Easy. You got to start. You have to start. Churches that want to engineer out all of the risk or, or have the, we're going to write a curriculum or we're going to go hire a PhD away from Wheaton to start a, you can do that. You're just way over engineered at this point. And you know what you're going to do at the end of the first year of that program is you're going to redo it. You're going to tweak it. You're going to rebuild it. You're going to tear part of it down. Part of it was dumb. You never should have done that. Some of it's great. The Lord blessed it. 
We're going to go back to more of that. And that's, that's, I would call kingdom context of your town and the unique combination of personalities on your team that make up God's thumbprint in that church. So you might as well, since you're going to tweak it every year, why wait a year? Why wait two years? You're going to have failure. I remember Miles Welch at 12 Stones, like his first 50 residents down there, you know, his failure rate was pretty strong in the beginning. And it should be going down every year. You should get better at it and you should be able to attract better candidates. But in those first years, do not be afraid of failure. Do not be afraid of failure. And you have to start. And it's and they're like, so you're telling me I should just put, yes, that's put a landing page up. My church's residency program coming soon. Click here for more info. No one's going to click on it anyway, man. But I'm just telling you, that's the first step. That is the first step of doing this, is starting. Okay, so somebody actually applies and they actually join. Now, what do we do with this person? Are, you mean they're candidating with us? No, like they, they actually, they pass, they, they, they pass the hoop. they're in. They're in. They're what, in. But, but what do, I, what do I actually do with this person? Yeah, man, you've got to have, uh, hopefully, a, hopefully there's a job description. Hopefully you have a job description at your church. And I've learned I have to say that because a lot of us work a decade without one. So there has to be a job description. And then your resident has to have a job description. And great job descriptions have 90-day goals and 180-day goals on them. And there are, there are objectives, broad objectives, which we love in church because we're, we're pretty broad and we're pretty undefined, right? And then there are specific things we want this person learning and doing. And then they have to be on your hip. They have to be with you. We would say it in air quotes. So if you're just listening to this, I'm using air quotes, they're full time. When you're working, they're working. When you're off, they're off. Uh, and there are legal ways to not pay them very much money at all, and but have them there all the time. And I'm not talking about cheap labor. Uh, it is cheap labor in the second year, but we don't start there. This is about them watching you do what you do and then talking about it. The old, there's a cliche that's very true. I, I do, you watch, you do, I, you know, we talk with that whole thing. Uh, you can look it up. Um, you have to create an environment where they're going to watch, they're going to observe if they're, uh, you know, if you dug into their personality tests through the onboarding and the interviewing process, and they're a go-getter, they interviewed really well, they're an achieving kind of, you know, guy like me with daddy issues, they're a maximizer, they've got, oh, they're the next Andy Stanley, well, then they're going to want to do stuff the first week, and you might have to keep that reined in a little bit. You have to, there's a fine line between letting them fail and letting them, uh, you know, implode and quit. But they've got to observe, and then and then you're going to observe them, and it is talking, and this does not scale. Education scales. We're good at it in America, by the way. Put 100 kids in a room, you're going to get up and teach them principles of leadership, or, by the way, algebra, or Excel, you know. Get, they give it back to you. You give them a grade. At the end, you're good at that. That scales, and I would even say spiritual development scales. Jesus went what eleven for twelve. He did pretty good. He wasn't perfect at it, but 
we can get 10 guys around the campfire and we can, someone can disciple uh, this, the thing I'm discussed that I'm talking about. And by the way, we need the first two, like never before. Don't hear me. I'm not anti-education or spiritual formation. We need them, but we need this other thing, which, uh, you know, in our thirties and forties, we call it coaching. And all I'm saying is we got to put the coaching earlier in the developmental process. We can't wait till we're 35. Only, only the fittest and best get to hire a coach when they've been in ministry a decade. We got to start coaching day one. And coaching doesn't scale. It's one-on-one. -on -one. And it's, it is, uh, it's amazingly rewarding and can be hugely painful when you're dealing with 20 to 24 year olds. And the fallout of just the of just the choices and the things that go on in that stage of life. But so they're they're gonna be working when you're working. And I it's funny, I mean, leaders that I hugely like, I'm like, this person's a rock, this is amazing. They're like, what are they gonna do? Like, I'm like, what do you mean? They're they're gonna do ministry with you, man. <laughs> they're gonna drive you crazy. They're gonna be right there with you. And you're slowly, slowly give them opportunities. Let them feel the weight of this thing and let them fail. But, but it is talking. Every church for months and months and sometimes a couple of years talks about what they're going to spend on this. And can they afford it? Can they? But no church by the fourth month is talking to us about the expense of money. But they are talking about how much time this takes. And it takes a village a little bit. To, to do this. One person cannot bear the weight of all of the talking that has to go on to really do a good job. Yeah, I think it's important to look at, uh, you know, when I go back 15 years ago when I was starting this program, you know, I, I looked out and, and yeah, you can see these programs that have uh, larger numbers, 50, 60, 70, and it's pretty intimidating. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, at the time I was at a church of about 200, yeah. um, I had a passion for this and, uh, I just looked around and I said, uh, who's around, yeah. you know, uh, you know, I just looked around and I said, who's around. Right. And, uh, I started with one, you know, I did a summer internship for two months, yeah. right. You know, I took a 17 year old for two months and I said, can I do this for two months? Can I? Yeah. Can I do what you said, drive them to yeah. the, 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 the beach to hang out with some kids or drive them to lunch, to hang out with some students, right? Could I, could I do that for two months and, um, did that. And, uh, and then again, there was a, a high school student that was about to graduate. And I said, Hey, I got this crazy idea, man. Yeah. Would you, uh, would you not leave? Would you stick around? Yeah. And, uh, that one student stuck around. Right. Mm. And, um, started with one. Right. Yeah. And, and, and just like you said, and, and I think what you're proposing and kind of what I'm talking about, too, is that for a lot of churches, probably the majority of churches, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Right. One student, right. one intern, one resident, two, maybe yeah. three. Right. And so I think sometimes we over engineer, like you talked about, we overthink. We say, well, how are we going to do how are we, we going to put 20? It's like, don't worry about that. <laughs> just right. do the one. Just yes. is there one student, right? That one student that just mm. graduated your youth ministry and doesn't want to leave, right? Yeah. Well, 
Let's let's invite okay. them to some meetings. Let's invite them to some appointments. Let's give them a book, right? Walk sure. them through a book sure. and meet with them for coffee. I think it's like you said, I think sometimes we we really overcomplicate this thing. Yep. Um, we really make this, um, you know, man, we can't really handle all this, but just start with the one. Yeah. Well, I would say, especially if you're listening to this, Everyone on your church staff, I'm going to older than 30. Some are listening to this, everyone, they're older than 40. And and some of them are great churches of 1,000, let's say, 500, more than 500. Everybody on this team is older than 40. One 22-year-old is going to be a shock to the system. Now, the beauty is the energy they're going to bring to your staff meetings and your staff retreats and every decision that gets made. If you pull... if you want to reach the next generation. And, you know, we want to reach millennials who are almost grandparents. Uh, you know, Gen Z, if you want to reach younger people, put these people at your table. They probably haven't learned uh, the skill of editing yet, but they're going to have 10 ideas and one of them is going to be awesome. Um, but one, one is can be a disruptive force for good on a church staff. We've worked with some. And they're saying, uh, we just went on a contract last week. She's like, well, I want five. I want five. I'm like, well, how, how much have you done this? You know, is my first question. So we we get after it. We did one, a church wanted 11 one time. And they never got to 11, but they got up to five or six or something. Uh, certainly the ones that appear to be healthier and a little more sane, they start with one. The second year, they had two or three. And then one or two are graduating out at the end of that second year. Most of the stuff we're doing is two year long in length. But uh, and then, you know, you you look at it now, we're four or five years in. There's four or five residents sitting there. They've had some failure. The church has over time. They've they've uh, they've accepted one or two. They probably shouldn't have took a risk. And I and another thing about residency and interns that you're going to invest time in, I think it's like campuses at a church. The first one really, it really needs to work well and prove itself out. Because if you do that well, numbers two, three, four, five tend to happen a little quicker than if you go over three, you know. So sometimes starting slower, going slower, you're going to go, you're going to go farther. And I know, I know we all want to go faster and farther uh, at the same time. This may be more of a racing thing, you know, going slower sometimes you actually do go faster and, um, and that's doing residency. So, okay. So Dave, I've got a lot of chairs that need to be stacked and I've got a lot of paperwork that needs to be filed. <laughs> I don't want to do that. And so I'm going to bring in a resident to do that. Is that, is that what no. this, is that what we're talking about here? Um, that's going to happen. Okay. And with the door closed or not on a podcast that's being recorded, I'm going to say, of course, that's going to happen. Of course, maybe you can get home 30 minutes earlier on Thursday at some point down the road because the residents there with the key and the alarm code and shutting the gas off in the kitchen, not blowing up the gym or whatever, whatever your situation is. But we don't start there. We don't start there. Uh, our two year program, the only win, man. And we've got it in our little database, whether we're winning or not. Our only win is, was that person hireable? Hireable and highly desired is what Kristen would say at the end of it. They ought to have several people after them. 
at the end of two years. I've, I've got someone who says they're called to ministry. We've made them prove it. We've vetted them for hours through a process. And I hand them to someone. And I'm like, all right, man, 104 weeks from right now, can you help this person get a job in ministry? Is Are they hiring? That is the only win. I have seen in the second year, I have seen people that almost fired and got quit or, or almost, almost got fired or almost quit in the first six months. Something magical happens on day 366. It's just like into that second year, they made it through Christmas as a worship leader, resident or production, or they made it through summer as a student or kids uh, resident. And now they're coming back for more of that. And the boss is welcoming them back at this point. That second year can be electric. Executive pastors love what it's costing in that second year financially to get a lot of ministry return. So if you're a church leader out there, you need that. Of, of course, of course, this person is going to do some things that's going to benefit your staff headcount and your cost. We don't, we don't do it for that reason. And that is a head trip. You've got to get your head around the fact that we're here for them. We are here for them. And in that first year, uh, it, it can be uh, extremely difficult. You know, even after all the vetting and, you know, we're, we're probably placing one out of 20 that apply with us and go through the process. Even after all of the personality tests and the Zooming, and the interviews by us, and then the and then the HR process on the church side. Um, it still can be difficult because even the ones who want to change the world and love Jesus, they're still twenty to twenty four years of age. You know, they're still uh, in some ways victim of this culture that people my age have built for them. <laughs> they're still coming off two years of COVID in the most dynamic. You know what's going on in their brain, trying to wire up itself. All those psychological things are true. All the mental health crisis, it's still true in, this, in these people. So the first year can be super difficult and super trying. And, and you should never go into it. When we get a call or the email and it says, we need a middle school pastor. We can't afford one. Can I get a resident? I'm going to say no, period. That's not, we're not going to start there. Um, and, you know, the... The marketing and branding people that we've hired and given a lot of money, well, not a lot of money, but some money to from Leadership Pathway, they hate this. They hate this because it's not, what I am proposing is not easier. It's not easier. It's harder. It actually, there's, there's buying a Peloton, which I'm looking at one sitting right here. And then there's getting on that bike and sweating and working and waking up the next morning in pain and following the programs. and. I, so that's what we're proposing. We're proposing that uh, we'll do this together and we're going to remind you and ask you and lay out a plan and then ask you next week, did you do what you said you were going to do last week? You know, that is not easy. It is, it's easy to buy in. It's really, really difficult to show up and do the heavy lifting. And that first year can be heavy. And it's not about the free labor when we start. It is about them. It's, it's about it's about filling in the gaps a little bit where their education and their spiritual formation probably does not make them hireable 
We all know great people who love Jesus, get up early, pray, who have an MDiv. They're super smart. They love, I would never hire that. That person can't lead anything. Uh, so we fill in those gaps with the coaching and the, and the process through the, through the two years. And the first year can be tough. Yeah, I think I often talk to people about wanting to start a residence program. And, and I talk to them about that. Hey, that, that first six months, that first year even, it, it might be more work for you than the return. The ROI mm. is probably going to be pretty mm. heavy up front. Because like you said, you're walking a 18, 19, 20-year-old through yeah. uh, a lot of transition in their life. I mean, sure. people are making massive decisions in those that age. Uh, and you're walking them through that. And you're walking through, let's, let's face it, a 19-year-old intern, 20-year-old intern is probably going to make one or two bad choices. For sure that you're going to have to, sure. to absorb and sure. walk through and, um, and, and coach through. But like you said, on the other end of that, there is some great ROI, yeah. um, them speaking, them leading worship, mm -hmm. them closing up, locking up, then all of those things come. And so I think that this idea of a residence program, internship program is definitely a long play and not mm -hmm. a short play. Yeah. Um, it's definitely something that you're saying, this is a part of our bigger vision. And um, I can just speak to even our current context, our church viewed it that way. And we've got multiple, multiple, multiple interns that graduated our program that are now on staff. Sure. Um, and so they used it at, and saw it as part of their interview process. And that's what we would tell our interns. We would basically say, hey, like, our program was three years and we would say, you're basically on a three year job interview. For sure. And, uh, but, but like you had said, said earlier is that we had more interns than we had jobs. Right. Right. And, and so we not only were able to hire those internal, but we were also able to, um, you know, help other churches as well to say, Hey, this guy's hireable. Unfortunately, sure. we don't have a role that's available yeah. right now. Otherwise he'd be our first or she'd be our first pick. Yeah. But, we just don't have anything available. And so sending them out um, is is dynamic. So yeah. um, Dave, thoughts on resources, materials um, for somebody that feels interested, feels like I'm obviously going to leadershippathway.org, connecting mm -hmm. with you guys, but any other thoughts on uh, some resources or places to kind of get them equipped a little bit? Well, the, uh, literally a tsunami of content is out there about leadership development. I think I first heard the term in 93, sitting up in the balcony at Willow Creek. Uh, so, I mean, there's a tsunami of content and whatever denomination you're in, whatever seminary or undergrad you're connected to, they, they have books and content and, just click here and read it. Um, I would say I'm, of course, uh, more interested in what leadershippathway.org would have to say, because that's where I'm embedded. But I would just say the content's out there. The secret sauce, the secret sauce, there's nothing new. Even in the books that, that we have a we have a coaching manual, about 120 pages long. It's pretty simple. 
broken down in 20 topics that we've arrived at through talking to church leaders over the years. And then there's a residency version of the same content because what you're going to say to a coach, you would never say to a resident and vice versa. So they both are reading the same content, the, the topics, the, these 20 core competencies. Um, and, and, there's, and then we tell them up front, there's really nothing magical here. The magic is in sitting down and having conversations. And you'd be amazed if, you were, if you're not doing it, how difficult it is. Thursday at 9.30 is our, and how difficult it is to keep that in the calendar, to not let that get pushed, pushed around. Or like hop in the car, we'll talk on the way, you know, to the thing. And, uh, you know, how do you sit down and have a conversation about initiative or work ethic or communication or being personable, walking in a room, how you present yourself? Take some forethought by the by the youth pastor or whoever's got the resident. Take some time to think about that before you go into that conversation. And then a ton of love and grace and and how to have a developmental conversation. The secret sauce is in the conversation. And by the way, being asked, did you do that? And how did it go? Which is our part of it. And uh, is it Atomic Habits talks about your... You know, if you write something down, you have a greater percentage of getting something done. If so, if you know someone's going to ask you about it, it goes up to like 90%. And this, this, whether it's Weight Watchers, <laughs> Weight Watchers, a church residency, the, there, therein lies the secret to this stuff. And it takes time. That's, that's it. And we've said it 50 different ways, but um, yeah. So good, Dave. Uh, I, I want to encourage all those that are listening is just who's around you right now. Yeah. Um, build that landing page. Yeah. You know, if you, if you don't have someone around, build that landing page and find somebody. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, really what it comes down to is just that, that heart to say, I want to pour my life into somebody. Um, and I want to bring somebody up close um, and, and let them walk with me and journey with me. Um, and I know for a lot of people that sounds overwhelming. Where do we start? How do we do all this? I want to encourage you leadership pathway has taken a lot of the guesswork out. Mm -hmm. They've taken a lot of the, the concerns out, uh, and they've got a proven strategy and method that'll lead to great success. Mm -hmm. And I want to encourage you to reach out to Dave and his team at leadershippathway.org um, and at least get uh, some advice, some thoughts, and just allow them to unpack that, uh, hey, man, maybe you guys are ready or here's some things you could do to get ready. Yeah. They're going to help you guys out. So I want to encourage you guys to reach out to them and uh, schedule a call with them today. A couple other resources that we have available for you is I want to encourage you to listen to episode 53 uh, talking about soul care with Zach Workman and, and talking about the need for us being healthy. And that's a big part of internships is helping them with their own soul care journey. Episode 21 is uh, helping your students find your life calling. Um, so, so important to help your interns find, are they actually called to do this? Is that what they're called to do? Uh, in episode 23, I sit down with five youth pastors uh, talk about legacy in youth ministry. A couple of them are lead pastors who discipled students in their program, and those students became youth pastors. A great conversation to listen to the heart of 
lead pastors or former youth pastors who discipled people to become in ministry. Great, great conversation. And then episode seven, developing a leadership pipeline in your church with John Brown. Great uh, resource about how to start this even down in kids ministry and youth ministry. And then it comes up into internship with young adults. We'd love to connect with you and staying in contact. Would encourage you to join our Youth Pastors Network, uh, where we provide continued resources and continued conversations. You can join there at renewedleadership.org slash network. Join today. Would love to see you on the other side. Dave, thanks so much for the conversation and uh, can't wait to bring you guys another podcast here soon.